Welcome everyone to this podcast to mark LGBT plus history month 2021. I'm Edgar Meyer, Deputy Dean here at Leeds University Business School. I'm delighted to be joined by Jamin Dalal, an alumnus of the MBA here at Leeds University Business School. Welcome, Jamin. Hi, Edgar. Hi, hi listeners. We will hear more about Jamin's amazing achievements and his personal journey uh, in just a minute. I just wanted to say a few words maybe about LGBT plus history month. Many will be familiar with LGBT plus history month and its role in promoting equality and diversity and wanting to raise awareness of the lived experiences of the LGBT plus community. And of course, its ongoing mission to combat prejudice and discrimination of this community. It started off as being an initiative to educate young school-aged children uh, across. What is probably worth mentioning is, is that this celebration of the LGBT plus community has only started in the UK in 2005. So it is very much within our very recent past. And whilst we have come a long way since then, so for example, we have marriage equality, and we have come a long way, particularly in the so-called global north, there's still some ongoing challenges. So it stays important to celebrate this month, to celebrate this community and shine a spotlight on some of its members. A challenge we as a university may want to look at more closely and things that worry me as someone who is part of a leadership team within a business school is some of the statistics that are out there around graduates. For example, although the percentages vary, it is suggested that somewhere between 40 and 60% of graduates who are out at university go back into the closet after they graduate because they're worried about finding a job or succeeding at work if they're out. Stonewall, an organization that promotes and supports the LGBT plus community, Uh, has published some research that suggests that more than a quarter of employees across the UK are still not comfortable of being out at work. So I think there's still a lot of work to do, and I'm delighted and honoured to have the opportunity to use LGBT Plus History Month to shine the spotlight on one of our alumnus who has done amazing work, both here as part of our student community, but also back home in India. And this may be a good opportunity to introduce Jamin properly and give him an opportunity. So Jamin graduated in 2004 with an MBA and currently works uh, for Condé Nast as a senior marketing manager in India. But um, maybe Jamin, you can tell us a little bit more about your current role, but also can I start off by asking you what LGBT plus history month means to you? Thank you, Edgar, for this wonderful insights, you know, you gave, I think uh, it's an eye opener. And as you rightly said that, you know, people are, you know, students are out in university, but they go back to the closets, you know, once they're out to get a job. And I think that needs to be addressed. Uh, great, great insights. Um, now, for me, I think uh, the History Month, LGBTQ History Month, uh, you know, signifies the struggles uh, which have been achieved by our peers in the past. Uh, today, you know, we have, you know, in, in, in England and might as well in India also, you know, our peers have fought for rights where, you know, we were still recently criminalized in India t in 2007 when it was repealed. So I think the, the, there's a lot of significance to this month and I'm great that, you know, University of Leeds is celebrating this month and I'm also happy that Leeds Business School is doing this thing. I relate to the History Month itself because I've been part of that struggle. Uh, where I was part of the committee where we were, you know, fighting the court case in India. 
uh, we extended our support to them and, you know, and finally things happened. So yeah, it signifies, though we don't celebrate History Month here the way you're celebrated there, but yes, there is some sort of resemblance there. And hence, yeah, uh, I think that's my take on the History Month. Thank you, Jamin. I'm sure we're going to come back to some of the work you've done in India as well. Um, just for our audience as well, Jamin is not only the senior marketing manager for Conanas in India, he's also part of their diversity group and therefore has sort of driven aspects around that as well. Uh, Jamin, can I ask you to think back about your time at Leeds and um, maybe start with your fondest memory of studying at Leeds? Sure. The fondest memories have to be, no doubt, the time on campus spent with my colleagues in my cohort. Uh, it was a very diverse group of people, Edgar, and, you know, from all around the world. I mean, I've, I've never seen such a diverse mix of people in my batch. You know, there were people from Africa, Asia, you know, the Middle East. Uh, we had somebody from Russia, South America. It was a great, 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 uh, you know, experience to you know, meet so many people around the world, uh, you know, and interact with them and learn so many things about their cultures. You know, it was great exchange knowledge time for me, knowing other people and the cultures and traditions and customs. Uh, also, one of the other very good memories is that, you know, we as a cohort had taken a trip together. It was a team building exercise trip to the Lake District. Fond memories of that place. You know, it's a beautiful place. We had a great time. We bonded more. We got to know each other more. And I think from that trip, we made lifelong friends. And I'm very proud to say that I'm at least in touch with about 10 to 12 alumni members on a regular basis, though it's been almost 15 years now that I graduated from Leeds. We do enter, also meet, sometimes do meet up, you know, we try meeting up as much as we can. So I think these are some of the memories I have. And also I had done a part-time job at the student, uh, student uh, language center with Professor Mark Oakton. I think that was also another highlight, you know, one of the memories which I had. Where again, I you know met so many people at the language center. You know, students coming to you know you know learn English, perfect the English language further. It was great. So I think these are some of the great memories of uh, of my time in Leeds. And also, not to add, not to mention that we used to also party hard. Uh, <laughs> uh, we used to study hard, but we used to party hard, and especially on the weekends and our pub crawl nights. Those are some of the best memories of Leeds. Yes, MBAs always work hard and party hard. Can I ask you? As part of this wonderful, diverse cohort, people have different attitudes to homosexuality, for example. Did you find it a challenge being out as a gay man studying in the early 2000s for an MBA? Uh, you know, so, um, you know, Edgar, we had people, from, as I mentioned earlier, it was a bit diverse group, as, you, as I said. And there are people from the Middle East who I kind of thought, you know, because they have come in a different culture, that there was a bit of unease because I was like, you know, by... Uh, I think about three or four months into the MBA, I'd kind of, kind of opened up about my sexuality. And uh, I could feel there was a bit of unease of st with some of the few students from the Middle East and, you know, from African countries, you know, where homosexuality is completely criminalized, you know, it leads to death. Uh, but I, I think uh, over a period of time, they kind of warmed up to me and, you know, they used to ask me a lot of questions. So I gave them knowledge and I think knowledge, the power of knowledge really helped uh, me to ease them into like, you know, what other sexual orientations are. Uh, so yes, it was it was a bit difficult initially. Uh, I could feel like, you know, sometimes there were these snide comments being made or, you know, like jokes are passed around, you know, knowingly, unknowingly, you know, at, at, at the lunch table or something like that. But I took it in my stride. I said, you know, I don't blame them. I blame their lack of knowledge. And then I decided to, you know, slowly, steadily, you know, give them information about other sexual orientations. And that's how I think I managed to, uh, yeah. So where did you take some of your strength from? Because it can't be easy being in a new country, studying a very intensive degree 
and also having to deal with some of the stereotypes and discrimination potentially from others. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, see uh, what I did at with That is that when I landed in, I remember two thousand three. I landed in September fourteenth. I went, you know, reached Leeds, and frankly speaking, I was scared. I was like, oh my god, where have I come? And I think it was a Sunday. I'd arrived into, and the streets were empty, and it was like obviously very cold for a person coming from Mumbai. And I was like freezing, <laughs> and uh, I didn't have my keys or anything whatsoever. So you know, I was very stressed about that. But uh, and plus, you know, I was like, if this is the reception on day one. Imagine a lonely game, man. I was talking to myself. I'm going to do that. But I source inspiration from my friends back home. I spoke to them. I called them. I said, guys, have I made the right decision by going abroad to study? Uh, you know, and he uh, said, no, Germany will be fine. You know, they pushed me. I spoke to a couple of my gay friends who've lived in London, you know, and worked and, you know, studied in London. They gave me counsel. They said, Germany, don't worry. It's just day one. Uh, so I took counsel and strength from them. And they also gave me tips on how to, like, you know, go about and, you know, handle or, uh, you know, prejudices and discrimination, which I w- would have en- encountered during my stay in the course of Leeds. Fortunately for me, I did not face any of those problems. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, just maybe in the class cohort who are like a bit cold about me being gay and stuff because they were, did not have the knowledge. But I did not personally face any prejudices or experiences as such at any uh, any place in Leeds, I would say. Uh, and maybe at an odd time at a bar, I'd gone and one waiter refused to serve me first because there was somebody else a native person who was there, so they served him first, but I think that was the only thing I faced. But then he apologized for that. But I personally did not find any problems with leads or prejudices or anything like that. So I think that also gave me a lot of strength and courage because I said, okay, fine, you know, if people are not like, you know, people are fine with it, people are not facing any problems, that also helped me ease into things uh, in leads. So that is, of course, fantastic to hear that, that your experience was so positive and wasn't tainted by a lot of negative experiences absolutely not that i would say i think leeds uh you know you you know people th- people do hear about you know yorkshire west yorkshire specifically being you know something like this but i think this uh, my experience was completely changed uh you know it, it, it was the best time I never, I never had like expectation i thought i'll get into rough problems here and there but i was surprised myself and i think that really helped me to gain more confidence and you know and deal with the other thing which was me being a sexual minority in the class and can I can I pick up on that? Because you said that you came out in early 2000s to yourself. You came out about two to three months into your program. And I was talking about graduates going back into the closet. How was that for you then entering the workplace? Did you consider stepping back into the closet or were you able to just maintain your authenticity and be yourself? So, you know, coming back, obviously, uh, you know, I came back in 2005 and then I had, uh, obviously, you know, coming back to, you know, India, it's again, reverse culture shock in terms of everything, you know. So by that time, I was a fully out gay man in Leeds. Uh, And then I started to apply for jobs and and then I finally got, again, a very corporate job, you know, like, uh, you know, like 90% male employees and stuff and everything. So I I initially did not come out uh, to anybody at work. Uh, I would say in 2007, when I used to work at Asia Pacific Breweries, uh, which is Tiger Beer, uh, in the launch team here, uh, at one of the events when I was working, um, and my boss very sweetly said, what's happened to you? You're so upset today and stuff and everything. He said, no, I, so I told my boss, I said, you know, just regular things and I'm having some problem with my, you know, in a relationship and stuff and everything. He said, oh, what relationship are you in? I said, like, I said, I'm in a relationship with a guy. Oh, he said, Okay. That's cool. And I was like, uh, boss, is it like, I, I thought you were going to like, like, you know, behave in a very negative manner. 
And he said, no, absolutely not, Jim. And why not? Like, you know, I'm absolutely fine with you being gay and whatever. So that really gave me the confidence and the, the platform. I said, if my boss has accepted me, then I started to gradually come out to everybody at work in 2007. So I did not go back into the closet. Though albeit briefly for two, like two, three years, uh, because uh, those other working conditions, uh, you know, I was also back new here. I did not know how people would react and stuff. So I, I went slowly, steadily. I I tested the waters initially once or twice. I did not find it like comforting. So I did not do that. And then when I, this moment came, I did that and I came out and then after that was no looking back. That's very interesting because I think, you know, you say you didn't, but of course for two years you had to carefully tread and I had to like, you know, obviously test the waters because, you know, mm. whatever said and done in India, uh, you know, at that time homosexuality was illegal. It was criminalized, you know, uh, you could be arrested, you know, all of that used to happen. Right. So I had to tread it carefully at that time. And by 2007, also, the uh, the law was repealed, right? Uh, the, the cases were going on and stuff. So that was kind of also leading up to it. So a lot of factors happened. But yeah, I, I, I didn't have to go back to the closet for two, uh, for two years. I did, albeit briefly, but otherwise, 2007, there was no looking back. Can I pick up on that? Because I find it really interesting to hear about, of course, that in, until 2007, uh, being in a gay relationship and being a gay man was still illegal. So what was it like being a gay man in India and maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the activism that you did as part of that as well. Sure. Uh, so I think around 2007, uh, I think 2003, 2005, before I went to Leeds, I, mean, I came to Leeds and studied. By that time, you know, there was the invasion of, you know, the satellite TV, you know, so we're getting more exposed to, you know, Western, you know, Western media, you know, Western culture, LGBT culture and stuff and everything. So the, the India, the as, as such, Indians were exposed to the, you know, homosexuality part, you know, and queer, lesbian and everything. And historically, homosexuality in India or LGBT was never criminalized. It was only the times of the British, you know, who came in, they criminalized that law. Uh, otherwise, it was never that problem. So by 2007, there was a fair amount of, you know, talkability, talking, uh, things were happening about, you know, gay, uh, you know uh, around conversations around LGBT, uh, especially in the big cities and stuff. Uh, so it was, it was, it, it, it had its challenges. Uh, because prejudices were there. Uh, I obviously had, I, I had faced family prejudices also in terms of like my parents were like, oh my God, how can you be gay? You have to get married, you know, and this and that and everything. I said, no, it's not going to happen. So I dealt with those challenges, but it, 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 it's been, it, it was, it was, it's been a great experience to be part of something where it was evolving and leading up to it getting repealed. Uh, so we are part of that activism. Uh, you know, I got all, uh, around 2007, I was asked to join the organizing committee for Mumbai Pride. And Mumbai Pride in 2007 had started the premise of us wanting our rights. So that's why we call it the queer Azadi movement. Azadi word means freedom. So we want freedom for the queers is what we had started in 2007 as a movement from uh, August Kranti Medan. It's the place where we had started our independence movement from the British hmm. uh, way back Babaji had done that. So that became a symbolic thing for us. So we got ourselves involved to it. We did like, you know, you know, protest rallies we did, you know, we spoke to our local MPs. So it was a great, it was, it was great to be part of something which lead up, led up to like, you know, the law getting repealed. Uh, so, and it is, it's been great. Um, I had a great circle of friends, you know, you know, there were, you know, parties happening in Bombay, in Delhi and stuff, you know, so, a lot of stuff, events were happen, you know, conversations around LGBTQ, there'll be carnivals. So a lot of things were happening in its own way. Though it was illegal to have gay sex, being homosexuality, being homosexual was not illegal. Mm -hmm. uh, so all these factors led to, uh, you know, me having a decent, a, a good life uh, here, I would say, compared to other gay people, call it my luck or call it my fortune. I had a great experience uh, in 2007 leading up to this thing, though it was a struggle, but 
the end goal was achieved. So it was it was great. Can I ask what motivates you to become so active in that movement? You know, gay rights are human rights. That's what my belief is. You know, LGBT rights are you know human rights. You know, I, and I I think that drove me further and further to you know work with the you know within the within the the queer Azadi movement space and you know which also then led me to kind of branch out into doing other things, you know, so creating co- uh, safe spaces for queer community in Mumbai and Delhi, right, where they can come on weekends, you know, and come and network with like-minded individuals uh, where they, no judgments are passed against them, no, you know, sometimes what happens when you go to a straight bar, you know, if two guys kiss, you know, there are comments passed, you know, snide comments are passed, people are looking at, so we gave that, so I gave that also space out and and people started to appreciate that uh, efforts of mine. So I said, you know, why not, if people are appreciating, let me do it further. And then uh, I, I started this uh, uh, events thing called Salvation Star, uh, which under this particular uh, umbrella of providing uh, safe spaces, we started these pop-up parties and stuff. And so now that's it's it's been fifteen years I've been doing that now along with a friend of mine. Uh, so it's just that's how I got more and more involved because of the positive response, and that has been my biggest inspiration. Right? People give good feedback to you, feel like working more for them, and you know now obviously the rights after three seventy seven got you know watered down. We now at least have uh, another rights which are we currently fighting for is marriage rights. The cases are happening in the court right now. It's subjudiced right now. We're expecting a, I think a, a verdict by I think next month or so. So let's hope so. But yeah, uh, the pace has continued, and I'm very happy I'm involved now in the community for almost 15 years. Can I ask a bit more about the safe spaces, please? You you say you created those safe spaces. What are they? How did they come about? And how they how do they support the community? There are no gay bars and clubs in India, right? Uh, like how in London and Leeds, you know, we used to have, you know, the dedicated, you know, spaces for gay queer community to go every day, you know, and chill out and, you know, be in a safe space. Mm. And that you lack in Mumbai. So what we used to do is that we would go and approach a venue on a Saturday night or a Friday night and request them to give us a space for about 120 people. Uh, and then, you know, um, we would get into an a, a arrangement with the venue that we get you X amount of crowd. Uh, and then, you know, we will, you know, ensure that, you know, we get you X amount of sales, you know, as they see, speak in that term and stuff. And by that, we create like, you know, an event where we invite, uh, you know, maybe thought leaders to come and speak a few words or have performances from the community members. And we would have these bar nights where we do live singing again. You know, the artists would be, you know, uh, from the LGBTQ community. So we provided employment to people from the community and stuff. So that's what the model, what we do. And uh, it hap- it would happen typically on a Saturday night. It would start about 9 p.m. and get over by 1 a.m. But venues are very happy. And we were also very surprised by the support from the venues in Mumbai because we thought we may reach into a stumble block with them. But they're more than happy to welcome us. So we give them a safe space. Come, party, be yourselves. Do not be judged by anybody. And, you know, network with people who you like. You recently gotten involved in an even more ambitious project around a chamber of commerce. And I would be really interested to hear more about that one as well. Sure, Edgar. Uh, so recently, the pandemic, you know, uh, out of uh, my love for the community work, I, along with the three friends, you know, we launched uh, Samavish Chamber of Commerce, India's first queer and queer ethnic minority-owned, led, queer-centric, not-for-profit, business and policy ecosystem, which is development-focused, uh, which we launched on 11 September 2020. Uh, the mission of Samavesh is to co-create a business and policy ecosystem in India with the industry and the government that encourages and supports uh, and provides access, engagement, visibility to queer businesses, individuals, and organizations who engage with them. Our aim here, Edgar, is to be a collaborative resource platform for all queer business and policy-related engagements in the country. Uh, we want to encourage LGBTQ 
you know, business, MSME, medium and small enterprises, you know, they don't know sometimes how to go up and set up a business or they don't know how to go and talk to government, you know, on policy matters or they can get government funding. They're completely clueless, uh, either because they don't have the right con- connects or they don't have a contact. So we will be acting as a bridge here to help them achieve their goals. And is that currently India-wide or is it located mainly in Mumbai or? India-wide. Um, it's India right, yeah. We just recently, just day before yesterday, we signed up with GlaxoSmithKline, GSK, and AXA Insurance for hiring the staff for them. So, you know, uh, LGBTQ staff, diverse, uh, diversity, they have diversity mandates. We're going to hire X amount of LGBTQ people in the organization. So we just got hired by them. So it's across India, Pan-India. And we also work with the Chambers of Commerce in South Africa. We're working with the Chamber of Commerce back in California also. So we've tied with them also. Well, congratulations on such a quick success when you only just launched it. And it just speaks volumes about your engagement in this community and the support you give to that community. So fantastic. We're, it's also nice to know that our alumni do such inspiring things. Thank you. As part of this conversation, we've asked some of our other alum and some of our colleagues to send in some questions that we might want to pose to Jamin. So, Jamin, here's a question that I think flows on really nicely from the charitable work that you have just described, and that is, who has inspired you throughout your career or your life, um, both LGBT plus allies or LGBT role models? So, I, um, uh, that's a great question, Edgar. Uh, I think I would say my parents have been the biggest inspiration for me. Uh, my father came from humble backgrounds and started to work at a very young age. Uh, you know, as any father, the father would want, you know, their kids to have the best of their lives, you know, so he, he aspired us to give up, give the best life, which he could not have, uh, he, in his career faced a lot of adverse conditions and hurdles, but he remained focused and steadfast and adapted to changes quickly. Uh, they've also, you know, my parents have really sacrificed a lot over the past years, you know, to ensure that we have a good life, you know, so I think I might draw my biggest inspiration, my father, where I've, you know, taken the way he functioned in his life in terms of his career and everything, you know, I, I took counsel from him how to, you know, deal with crisis at workplaces and everything. So he's my biggest inspiration. He's been my parents and my mom. Uh, in terms of the, as for LGBTQ role models, I don't have anybody in specific, but I would say the, the most pivotal moment for me personally was the watering down of Section 377, where a number of activists who were already working on that case for the past 15 years, even before 2007, I think they were, those are my role models because they really were like the you know the face of it, you know, going to the courts every day, facing harassment and stuff. But they stood their ground uh, against you know absolutely you know vehement opposition at that you know from you know religious church, you know the churches, the temple, you know the, you know all the clergymen and priests and everybody. They stood ground, and that's what really inspired me to you know dive further into my community work. So I think I think uh, the activists who fought the cases for us and my parents would be are the biggest source of inspirations. Thanks, Jamin. I think that's role models are so important, and I think it's just so nice to see the variety of role models. But I also think that in India specifically in this case, it's probably also the lack of real visible role models, considering it was illegal for such a long time. So that is, that is great. Thank you. Another question I think that sort of fits within what you've told us so far about your work, um, and I think also fits with the with the sort of hashtag of LGBT plus history month this year, which is body, mind and spirit, is that charity work and fighting for good causes can be quite demanding. And you have to build resilience around some of that continuous 
fights. So what has helped you or what does help you? What keeps you going in terms of some of this ongoing battles that you have to fight for this community? Um, you know, as you rightly said, it's indeed a very demanding work charity, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes it, time to, it, you know, taking time to reflect uh, and learn from the wins and the setbacks helps one build resilience. And that's what's happened. You know, we had that case of 377, you know, so unfortunately it got repealed and then it got again reinstated by the Delhi High Court. But we denied, you know, at that time, you know, all of us, you know, put in our resources and stuff. We said, let's learn our mistakes. And then we made a very watertight case again with the government, uh, which saw it resulting into it becoming, you know, uh, decriminalized again, very just like, you know, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, uh, I think best is to, you know, one should take time to reflect and learnings from the wins and the losses. And that's how, you know, you become resilient and, you know, are able to, you know, achieve the goals. And I guess you've mentioned it already, you had a very supportive network of friends and family. I'm sure that helps as well to not be alone in that. Absolutely. You know, we are, I'm fortunate enough because of my job, you know, and then as also forgot to mention, uh, 2010, I started, you know, my job into the media space, which I've been 10 years into media. Uh, media, the, you know, the media industry kind of also kept, helped me even become more out as an open man, helped me build networks around with, you know, uh, the who's who from, you know, celebrities, socialites who support our causes, be it straight, gay allies, as you know, our gay people, you know, all of that. So that really network really helped. Uh, and yeah, I'm indebted to them also. And they've also, you know, helped me, give me counsel, how to, you know, deal with situations and everything, uh, Edgar. And if I can pick up on how you deal with situations, how have you dealt with some of the challenges and prejudices that you have encountered during your career? Oh, uh, yeah. So again, I'm, this sounds very odd, but, you know, I've really not faced like any major challenges in career whilst I was, I, I'm, you know, my 14 years of career, I've been working here. Minor, you know, the, the few small ones which keep on happening. But having said that, you know, workplace challenges do exist and it's important to constantly communicate, hear out and accommodate other divergent views and move forward. There has some agreement. So I think the most important, even I'll stress out of these points, that communication is the key to it. Uh, you have to constantly keep on talking to your colleagues or, you know, any other person you're having a disagreement with uh, or prejudices you're facing. Talk to them, make them aware. As I said, you know, I had that in, in my cohort, you know, those people from, you know, Middle East and African countries communication was the key and I spoke to them and I helped them, you know, allay their fears. So yeah, I, I think that's the most important is talking. Fantastic. I think communication, as you say, and sharing insights, sharing knowledge is one of the key aspects. It's about helping people to understand and uh, appreciate that difference as a positive rather than necessarily as something that is to be worried about. So can I ask a couple more things around sort of now that you have been in work for a good 15 years and of course prior to your MBA as well and having had the experiences that you have had and the work that you do, what sort of advice would you give to LGBT plus leaders or aspiring leaders? Well, this is a great question, Edgar. Thank you. Uh, you know, diversity and inclusion is the key advice I would give. Uh, I've seen through my career organizations which have fostered diversity and inclusivity are better suited to adapt to an ever-changing business environment. And, you know, when you have a diverse workforce and, you know, you have inclusive practices, companies do very well financially also. That's, it's, it's been, uh, it's, it's very well known. And there's documented, you know, research work, paperwork are available, white papers in India also. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, lastly, invest in your people. They're the most valuable asset you will ever have is what my message would be, Edgar. I think that's really interesting because, of course, I work in a lot of the areas around equality, diversity and inclusion and trying to 
champion many of the initiatives. And I think the business case is always one that we need to bring out and ought to bring out more besides the very important moral and ethical aspects around doing the right thing. But I think you're right, the business case is there uh, and lots of that is supportive of that. And of course, the other aspect you've talked about is very close to my own heart in terms of my own research work around leadership and authentic leadership and being able to be your authentic self and how efficient and effective that is in terms of people giving themselves to organizations and working for an organization. So it's fantastic to hear this from you as part of this. If I were to sort of reflect on what we've heard, and you've already had so many achievements, particularly around your own career, but also the impact you have on your community. So what is next for, for Jamin in terms of the future ambitions? So right now, uh, my focus is on Samavi's Chamber of Commerce, uh, which, I've just, as I mentioned, we have launched. Uh, we're scaling it up in terms of, uh, you know, uh, business, you know, and revenue models, which we are working on. Uh, I'm also branching out into uh, launching another brand uh, of, uh, we're planning plan to launch a restaurant, uh, which will be uh, around LGBTQ uh, friendly, of uh, like a, a full a dedicated space available for everybody to come on a weekend, like a culture lab sort of uh, thing I want to, that's on, that's on the horizon. And I'm going back to my old job at Hello Magazine, which I start from March 1st. So yeah, that's on the horizon for at least a couple of, uh, uh, next year or two. But in terms of uh, initiative, Samavish Chamber of Combo gets uh, gets priority right now from my side because it's just it's our baby, and it's and luckily we've been very lucky that we've had two successes recently, and uh, and we have to just build on that. So yeah, that's uh, that's what is on the horizon right now. It sounds fantastic, and I'm sure with your track record, all of these things will come off and will make such a positive impact within your community. So. Thank you very much, Jim, for joining us and telling us a little bit about your story and your experiences. Um, It's been super, super insightful for me and very, very interesting. And I'm sure we'll need to watch this space and see all of the fantastic things that you're going to achieve. Thank you so much, Edgar, for giving me the opportunity to speak on such a milestone event. Uh, I never thought I would be speaking on a podcast uh, from my alma mater after like 15 years, but I'm thanking you so much. I'll thank Anna and the entire alumni team for, you know, you know, choose, uh, you know, selecting me to, you know, talk and, you know, having this really good, great conversation, thought provoking, you know, uh, insights we've had, you know, I'm, I'm very, very thankful to you guys. Thank you so much for facilitating this. Thank you, Jane.